Welcome back to Moonbeaming. I am your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner. I could not be happier to be here with you for this episode today because it is about one of my favorite tarot cards, the Six of Pentacles. A couple of things before we get into it. I can't believe it, but our last day to order a physical product from our store is just around the bend that is on December 19th. All physical orders purchased between December 20th until January 3rd will begin shipping on January 3rd, and they will not be shipped out to you until then until 2023. So if you've been eyeing a Prezi, order your Prezi's now, order your candle and your ritual oil and your Many Moons Planner now to make sure it will arrive safe and sound with plenty of time for you to have, hold, or gift before the Gregorian calendar switches over. To everyone who has ordered this holiday season, thank you so much. This was a very challenging year for small businesses. Many small independent businesses, many independent creators and artists have really struggled. So your support, your financial support, you sharing any independent creator's work with your friends, with your family, on socials. It means more than I can express. And it's definitely a Six of Pentacles theme, which is probably why I'm bringing it up now. So thank you. Thank you. If I haven't told you lately, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much. I couldn't be here. We couldn't be here without you. In terms of exciting events. We've got a few coming up. On December 16th, we are doing our winter solstice seasonal support session. I will be sharing ways to get prepared for next year, to lean into winter, to work with your manifestations and collaborate with many moons. I'm going to discuss what's been coming up for me energetically in terms of themes and threads for the last few weeks of this so-called year 2022 and the first few months of 2023. So if you would like some support and if you'd like some strategy and some heads up, you can sign up for that. You know where. And tomorrow is the most funnest that's not a word I know, but I'm going to use it. I don't care. <laughs> it's the funnest, loveliest gathering that myself and Erica Feldman from House Witch are having. We're getting together. We're throwing down. We are going to give a talk around reframing failure and preparing for next year by clearing away shame or doubt from perceived failures we've had. We're reframing failure. We're redefining success together. I think it's going to be 
just the right pick-me-up for this intense, you know, moderately chaotic, I'm leaning into chaotic neutral these days, you know, pretty sad if I'm being honest, pretty draining if I'm being brutally honest year. I learned a lot. But again, as I've been sharing, it's been rough. I've been sharing with friends. They've really been resonating with it. For many of us, you know, those of us, again, who are small business owners and creators, 2022 was our 2020. And if your business hasn't been doing that great, if your mental health hasn't been doing that great, if everything feels about 90 times harder than normal, you are not alone. And I wanted to share that. You know, I've been pretty open (laughs) that this year has been rough for me. I need a break. We all need breaks. None of this is your fault. I hope you know that. And really, this is also where the Six of Pentacles comes in. Great timing. Great timing. This is the last tarot card episode of this year, and it's it's apt, I think. It's apt to end with the Six of Pentacles. The reason why I do these card episodes, numerically speaking, for example, we've covered now all the minor sixes this year. Last year, we covered all the fives, is because we're in a six year. When you add up all the numbers, two plus two plus two, that's six. So the themes of sixes, the energies are usually heightened or they're more available for us to notice and they're more available for us to collaborate with and make shifts around. So I create these episodes in part to offer up context, to offer up support in a year that resonates and highlights the themes of six, which is the lover's card and the minor arcana sixes. I always want to demystify and complicate and excite the tarot, not not flatten it. I always want to go deeper and wider with these archetypes so that you can get inspired and excited about possibilities of reflection and guidance that the cards can give you. And within that depth, within that reflection, within that excitement, then I'm encouraging you to create your own interpretations as this is one of the ultimate ways that the tarot works. It's a tool to affirm your own intuition. It's a cosmic check-in. It's an ask of what do I need to focus on? Where is it time for me to grow and change and heal and make peace and so on? What are the potentials available to me now. And the potentials is where we're going to start with the six of pentacles. The potentials are about reframing our relationships and recalibrating what we've been doing around the themes of abundance, exchange, generosity, magic, work, worth, 
the intuition and intelligence of the body and nature and our relationship or relationships with nature, with the planet, reconnecting to the land, reconnecting our roots, ancestral healing, reciprocal relationships, and more, to be honest. All that and more. So let's let's get into it. I invite you to take a moment, take a belly breath wherever you are, and tune into the energy that rises forth when earth, which is pentacles, connects with the number six, which is about recalibration and rebalancing. Get a little more intimate with yourself. Take a moment to drop into your body a little more. Connect with the earth underneath you. Give thanks for all the support that comes forth from the earth. Take a breath and give thanks to the present moment for your body just as it is. Give thanks for all you have, for all you've created, for all you've learned. And take another deep breath now and allow yourself to open up just a little bit more to receive. Receive health and vitality. Receive ancient wisdom. Receive abundance. Take another deep breath. And with gentleness, ask your body what it needs. Let the information that steps forth be neutral. Try to allow your body to communicate in sensations without having judgment about whatever is coming forth. What will happen sometimes is that we will put judgments or have feelings or thoughts or stories about the messages from our bodies. For example, maybe we feel guilty that we're not making time to stretch or rest, or we're pushing through and ignoring the exhaustion that our body is communicating. And then that, that judgment or story, that can create a pattern of distrust or a separation between us and our bodies. And I often think that when we misread that judgment or that rejection of the information as a lack of intuition, when we 
misread that tension between what our body needs and wants and and what we're able to give it, I think we we can misinterpret our inability to meet our body's needs as a kind of self-betrayal, or there could also be resentment or frustration directed at our body, our body that is innocent. I know I have those moments. I do experience that as someone who has a chronic illness where my bone marrow is literally scarring. My literal bones are in pain. I have fatigue and flare-ups and I have numerous injuries and I'm always in pain. And I'm simply not able to do what I want some of or a lot of the time and it can create tension, a emotional or energetic tension. A lot of resistance can build up around being with our bodies and being part of our bodies and that of course, stems from so many other things. This is It's so, so big. And you know that, and I know that. Societal programming, ableism, racism, compulsory heterosexuality, gender norms, fat phobia, diet culture, the wellness industry, the medical industry, the split between mind and body. I could, we could be here all day. We could be here all day. <laughs> There's a lot of recalibration that many of us are constantly doing around our relationship to our bodies, which is us. Your body is you. It's your vessel. It's your ancestors. It's in relationship with your soul, the soil, space, your friends. And part of the core foundation of the Six of Pentacles is remembering we're nature, remembering your true nature, and gently wherever you are, however you are, trying to come back home to your body and learning how to be present with your body, noticing what you notice, becoming friends with your nervous system, perhaps being kinder to yourself if you do become dysregulated and noticing when you're out of your body or out of your window and what that feels like and softening to more presence no matter what and opening to the messages of the body and in doing so more generously embracing yourself. Because pentacles are earth, because six is about recalibration, rebalancing different chapters, being in process, being in movement, integrating, at the core, there's this theme coming up of materiality, the experience of materiality with earth, a changing relationship with materiality with the six. I think of the six as mutable earth, the earth, material, what's around us. Again, our bodies. That's in a process of change. It's being prepared for more 
intense change because after the six comes the seven. And one of the key words of the seven is change. Mutable earth, changing earth. What could that be for you? Maybe it's letting the soil rest. Many agricultural societies would rest the land on the seventh year. I think that's where the term sabbatical came from. I could be wrong. And of course, there's that connection then to the seven and the seven of pentacles as well, which is also why I call the sevens the sacred pause. But I'm getting ahead of myself, of course, here. Let's get, let's just stay back in the six. So maybe it's fertilizing your soil, putting more nutrients in there. Maybe it's composting, being in that alchemical state of compost, this metaphoric compost, letting yourself be changed, broken down into more essential, more generative new ways moving forward. Pentacles are often thought of as the last suit. There's a lot of tarot theory that says the king of pentacles is the very last card in the tarot deck. If we're starting with one, the magician, the king of pentacles is the very last card because from an occult or hermetic philosophical point of view and a Kabbalistic point of view, earth is the last stage of a manifestation process. The sparks and the seeds of the material live in the ethereal. Realities first exist in a spark, in thought, in a little firestorm, the big bang we can also think of. And then as the different elements build, other things grow. And at the end of this is earth or material tangible form. It's the last stage of that process. That's also why, thank you universe, you can have a sense of humor sometimes, can't you? This is often why When something coalesces on the material plane, we're often already on to the next. It takes a while to bring material form into action, right? It takes a while. It takes time, which is also what the Pentacles suit is about. It's about ancient time deep time, literal time, non-linear time, all of the times that exist because there's just not one version. We know this, right? This is also how and why pentacles have to do with magic first and foremost. I always tell my students, hello. I mean, I'm sure I've said this on this podcast too. Everyone forgets about the elephant in the room with this suit. It's a pentacle. A pentacle is literally a sign of magic. Why do people get so hung up on the money portion? They're like missing out on the symbolism. They're missing out on the mystic aspect of this suit. 
Pentacles are about magic. It's the four elements coming together to create something greater than the sum of its parts, which this card can certainly touch upon, which all the Pentacles touch upon. So we've got the magic of the mundane. We've got the material as an aspect of the ethereal and the magical process. We've got the physical realm. We've got the symbology of the physical realm. And the physical realm, of course, includes money, work, our bodies, time, all of that jazz, the hours in the day, plus habits, behaviors, patterns, end up making up the larger arc of your life, right? Like what is going to transpire a year from now has more to do with what you're doing every day now than anything else. The people you talk to, your habits, your practices. So if you feel like there's some aspect of Groundhog Day happening, like you're just going around in a hamster wheel, especially when you get this card, switch it up. Switch up what you can change in your everyday. I call the pentacles the shape of your life, the overall shape and shapes of your life. Whenever many pentacles show up, and also especially the six of pentacles, it's often a good practice to renegotiate the overall shape of your life, to question it, and to start small, really small. A different way of doing things, a new habit, a different posture, another behavior that over time adds up into something more and something greater. Think about the idea of compounding interest. For example, about six months ago, I started deadlifting with the goal to lift my body weight. I started really small, like a really small amount of weight. So I don't remember, maybe 40 pounds or something. And now it's about six or seven months later in about a week, knock on wood, knock on wood, she's knocking on her noggin right here, I'll be deadlifting my body weight. This took place five to 10 pounds at a time, week after week, practicing over and over. It wouldn't have happened any other way. I wouldn't have been able to get to my body weight from 40 pounds immediately. A book is simply a string of sentences bound between two covers, carefully considered sentences placed one after another to form another world, to create a tool that might change your life, a testament of vulnerability and years of research and deep time work and an inquisitive curiosity about the world. Maybe there's an ancestral need to express. A book is magical. It's transportative. 
don't know if it's a word, bear with me here, but it's also an object. It's paper. It's water. It's dead trees. It's a man you'll never meet huddled over a printing press on the night shift. It's boats. It's emails back and forth. It's an editor's time. It's many conversations with friends. It's writing workshops. It's the whispers of angels and the creative muse. It's endless hours trying to create inspiration. It's endless hours sitting on your bum when you don't feel inspired. It's this symbol. It's a magical object that's created through many hours of toil, many moments of aligned action, lots of love, lots of sparks of creation. It's also a community project. And that's any meaningful object or vocation or moment or relationship. It's never only about us. The shape of our lives are only always also influenced and determined by others. And others' lives go the same way. Others' lives are also only always influenced by other people, by us, determined by other people's decisions. Let's widen the net to get even more vast. There's the ancestral component as well. Aspects of the experience of your life was determined and influenced in part generations ago by ancestors and also by people you've never met and never will meet. The scarcity that I could be experiencing right now, for example, is partially a result of someone's ancestors I will never meet and the effects of their behaviors on my ancestors. And a tiny little piece or experience of someone I will never meet, their comfort, their liberation, their discomfort, their activation might be in part due to something I do later today, tomorrow, five years from now. Whether that's a donation I make, whether that's an action I take, if let's just say I donate to a cause and maybe that my donation alongside dozens or hundreds or thousands of other donations shifts someone's life. And I'm really breaking it down today, doing some real earth magic right here. And some of the money I donate, it comes from you. It comes from some of you who are listening, who support myself and my studio financially so that we can give some of our overflow to those who could use it. This is a core theme of this card, the theme of interbeing. And it only builds throughout the pentacles. The concept of interbeing, which is from Thich Nhat Hanh, definitely a lover's and six theme. It's one of those concepts and ideas that is universal, like love or peace. It can be applied to anything and anyone and any 
time period, any situation, I used it. It came through really strong as one of the themes of 2023. It's in the Many Moons Guide because it reminds us interbeing Thich Nhat Hanh, it reminds us that a piece of paper isn't only a piece of paper. It's sunshine. It's a seed that becomes a tree and gets watered and so on. And this quality of interbeing also underscores why the pentacles can be thought of as the last suit of the minor arcana. So before I get way deep in the soil of this garden, I'm tending to now with you. I wanted to underscore some basic meanings, some keywords from a moonbeaming perspective. The six of pence can be about renegotiating any of the themes I've brought up. Time, work, money, wealth, overall abundance, health stuff, body stuff, ancestral patterns, ancestral patterns that influence your behaviors and the work you do in your nervous system, how you make money, the protective themes or behaviors you have or hold, connections to the land, to the material world, the sensual world, to growing, to deciding to plant new seeds. And also, it's about inviting in more of a both and mindset instead of falling back on a scarcity mindset. It can be about a crossroads moment in regards to the overall trajectory of your life or path you've been on, your values. It can be about living out your values in a more embodied way. Definitely can be about time management stuff and time magic, changing your relationship to time with time, self-worth, major theme of this card, and a self-worth that is rooted in your own self-regard. I want to clarify that because what will happen is you'll get to a place where you can locate your morals, your values, your integrity. And when you practice embodying this, this more deep, more true self-worth, not reliant on purely external validations or markers of success, which we see come up so much in the five of pentacles, right? When you're hinging your self-worth only on external markers, on appearances, on shoulds, on the superficial, when you're making decisions because you think it'll keep you safe, this is a house of cards. It's a house made out of straw. Think about an analogy from a gardening perspective or a nature perspective. What does a strong, adaptive, flexible tree need? Strong and wide roots, nourished soil, maybe a network of other trees to share nutrients with and share messages with, maybe mushrooms all around to help the tree grow. It needs 
often invisible but imperative tending. So there's this theme of receiving and giving. And that happens inside of the body. It happens with time, consistency, and practice. What we will see as an end result is hours and hours and hours of time, decisions, practices, discipline, experimentation, so-called failure, early morning sacrifices, boundaries, and so on and so forth. And when we have, I'll get into this in a little bit more, but when we have self-worth and when we have an abundance mentality, we can make decisions that resonate with our integrity, not necessarily external validation. We can walk away from situations that maybe look good on paper, but that just don't feel like they're in alignment. We can hold out and have more patience for cultivating a better fit, even if it causes people to misunderstand us. I want to know about your integrity. I want to know about what actions you take in alignment with your integrity. I want to know about your gifts. Are you using your gifts to the best of your ability? You know, we'll often get into a pattern of doing something because we're good at it. Maybe we're even great at it, but we're not in our zone of genius. And we kind of settle, usually, because often it's good enough. Maybe it's even great enough or awesome enough or rewarding enough. But complacency and comfort is its own kind of discomfort. That's what a lot of us have been experiencing this year. I know I have for this year. It's something I'm actively working on changing, you know, around what I'm doing with my time, with my energy, with my behavior, with my work. I'm really thinking about the kinds of seeds I want to be planting now as I'm also harvesting the fruit of seeds I planted many years ago. I'm very much feeling the pull to change the overall shape of my life And I'm sure it's been something you've been preoccupied with as well. So there's this question I've been pondering, which is, just because you're good at something, does that mean you have to do it? Does that mean you should do it? And I ask myself this question. I reframe it in that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. This helps redirect me. It helps me to contemplate what direction I want to be turning in. Because again, these sixes, they're often about a redirection, a rebalancing. And it again, it doesn't have to be major. It could be shifting a trajectory a teeny bit. Maybe you've been teaching sixth grade history for five years, and you realize you want to teach 12th grade English. That's very different It's the same realm, but it's very different. Or maybe you want to switch to a different kind of school. And so you're looking for a different kind of job in a different school. You're still going to be a teacher, but you're going to change your trajectory. You're going to mix it up in some way. That pondering and that question led me to stop doing one-on-ones. 
I used to do like 13 to 16 sessions a week and I loved it and I was good at it. And funny story, it was the only aspect of my business. It's been the only aspect of my business where every single interaction head to toe was wonderful. And however many years I did it and how many clients I had, I never had a client be unhappy with a reading. I never had a client complain or want a refund. I never got exhausted. I have great energetic boundaries and I love my clients. And if you're listening to this and if you've gotten a reading from me, I hope you know that I love you. And I know I was talented and amazing at it. It's the feedback I got. I was good at it. I enjoyed it. But it wasn't my calling ultimately. It wasn't what I was meant to do with my entire life. It was what I was meant to do for a period of life until it wasn't. And in true Six of Pentacles fashion, what I learned through a decade of reading for thousands of people led me to where I am today. I could not be sharing about tarot in this way if I did not spend thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in the field. I couldn't be here with you now if I wasn't interbeing with thousands of people, thousands of readings, hanging out with these archetypes, learning and growing through experience. If you're the one who always just takes care of things because no one else will, if you're in a situation that's fine, but maybe not amazing, the six of pentacles and perhaps other sixes are gently nudging you to dream about more, to explore something different, think about other options and start there. For those of us who have trouble moving on, the sixes are the cards we want to embrace and play with and practice with and practice embodying because they underscore that it isn't, an ending is not a door slamming, right? It's not forever. You know, the hardest romantic relationships I had led me to the healthy romantic relationship I have now. And what I learned at some truly horrific jobs I had, I took parts of that into what I do now. I think the Six of Pentacles and a lot of the Pentacles and many of the Sixes help to remind us that time isn't wasted if you're learning and growing. And if parts of your material life and how you spend your time and energy and gifts are stalling out or feel kind of stagnant, it's time to grow. You want to be investing your time, not spending it. This is a concept I learned from this year with my own time management struggles. And I did a whole piece about it for Many Moons 2023, which is another lesson from the tarot. The card before each card often informs what we're implementing in the card afterwards, right? So if the five of pentacles can be about healing from scarcity and not enoughness, the six says, okay, I'm tuning into my body, I'm tuning into my gifts, 
my abundance. I'm having more acceptance around all of my root systems. I'm caring for my one and precious body. Now, what do I do with that body, with my space, with my time, with my gifts? How do I nurture that? How do I grow? What are the ways we apply that? And to try to answer those questions by living out those questions often bring us right into the seven. This other piece of the card, this other like core foundation of this card is about giving and receiving and the philanthropic nature or keywords that often come up around more traditional interpretations of the card. This card has been called that, like the philanthropy card. It can be a card about altruism. I've heard folks like Karina Rosella call it the mutual aid card, which is an update on it. I love it. In my talk from earlier this year about the sixes, I said that some folks call it the nonprofit or like the charity card, and others now call it the mutual aid card. And someone at the gathering said, hey, like charity and mutual aid are very different. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they are. And that's maybe I think where I want to spend a little bit of time on exploring this idea of radical generosity, rewriting stories about abundance and giving and receiving. In the Pamela Coleman Smith rendition of this card, we see a seemingly appears to be wealthy person giving coins to what appear to be people who are in deep need of money. They look sort of like they're begging, which is where the basis of philanthropy and abundance comes from. Philanthropy is like more associated with systems a position of power, power dynamics, and maybe not even a direct relationship with those you're giving to. It depends always. There's also, I think, some sort of correlation with keeping systems in place, right, of of the haves and the have-nots. Mutual aid, as I understand it, is we're part of a whole. We're supporting one another. It's a lateral giving. It's a giving that often takes place outside of institutions, outside of a system of tax paying, it's creating a lateral root system of exchange, of gifting and receiving, right? And I think it also points to a shift in how we view power dynamics around money really as well. Capitalism will emphasize power dynamics and hierarchies in terms of giving the haves, the have-nots. So transactionalism, that again, capitalism can emphasize, it will bleed into how we view ourselves and one another. I believe (laughs) it's imperative to divorce these power dynamics away from money, to divorce greed, hoarding, the transactionalism, out of our exchanges. This does not mean working for free or charging nothing. It means figuring out what's in integrity with you and trying to practice that. It means really checking yourself and and rethinking forms of transactionalism or power dynamics 
that you've unconsciously internalized and enact. I have worked in customer service my entire life. And I'm just going to say it, the disrespect and rudeness and sometimes abuse that we get shown from others in interactions that include money is indicative of the hold that the beginnings of our country and capitalism has had on us. You know, my studio experiences this firsthand because USPS lost a package. The cruelty that we get shown is not appropriate for the level of what's happening. There's that saying how it's very important to notice how people treat waiters or cashiers or really people who can do nothing for you. It's a good indicator of character. A lot of times money will become the symbol that people can use or utilize for some other forms of not okay behaviors. So I just a gentle reminder to summon our humanity, especially around monetary exchanges, because that's a slippery slope into dehumanization. And this also highlights this other aspect of the Six of Pentacles, which is reciprocity. It's moving towards a reciprocal relationship. We know that it is long overdue for us to look at how we're working, our labor conditions, how we're treating each other individually and collectively. This has obviously been ongoing. I do not have to say more about that. I mean, again, we could veer off into all kinds of places here, but figuring out what one can do individually, I think is really important. And also figuring out where we need to link up and collaborate and join together and open into that interbeingness is really important. It's a both and situation. We have to take accountability for ourselves. And then we have to understand that we're only always part of a greater system. And I really want us to think about what we're doing individually, because I find we can often get into more abstract territory, like it's the system, this is systemic. Well, the system is created by humans, and humans uphold the system or transform the system. We choose choice. This is a key word of 2022 and the lovers. We choose how we interact in whatever capacities we can. We all have different capacities. We're all in different places with all of this. But we do have to understand that it's the both and. Just renouncing accountability because it feels like we're so far away from the powers that be, immediately create separation from our own power within and the power we can have when we step into interbeingness and vulnerability. 
we can extend this reciprocity into our relationships with ourselves, with time, with the land, and our relationship with others as well. Are your primary relationships reciprocal? Is there an equal exchange? Not in a tit-for-tat way, but in an all-over energetic exchange. Can your friends count on you to show up? Can you count on your friends to show up? Are you showing up for your work, capital W, in the world right now, which is not necessarily your job, J-O-B, work in the world? There's a difference there. There's a recalibration that this card invites us to step into that has to do with exchange and giving and receiving. Receiving is the act of giving. Giving is the act of receiving. And that requires us to look at our capacity. A lot of us need deeper containers right now, wider containers, wider and deeper containers, And some of us need different containers. Some of us are due for a repotting. It is time to repot altogether. I know that some of you know exactly what I mean. The art of being able to receive is crucial. Nurturing our soil is crucial. If the soil isn't being nurtured appropriately, if the container isn't appropriate, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's never going to feel like enough. It doesn't matter how much art you create, how many compliments or awards you get. It will never feel like enough. And part of this card and the work of the five asks us to define enough and also like get specific about where those holes are that creates the not enoughness. And the act of receptivity on a cellular level, on an energetic level, is imperative. If you can't receive, do you even know what you're getting? If you can't receive, how do you know what you're even giving? Asking for help is part of receiving. One practice I try to do almost every day that I think is an antidote to transactionalism is radical generosity. It's giving from a place of truth when I want to. It's not about giving everything away. It's about giving what I do give away from a place of integrity because that makes me feel good so that I'm in alignment. It's not about what I should be doing. It's what I want to be doing and what it feels like is in integrity for me. This does take into account my unearned privileges and the contexts of where I am and who I am. And only I can figure that out. It's giving out of joy and trust and giving not expecting anything back. Because I don't want my relationships and I don't want my life to be about tit for tat. I'm not out here thinking, okay, if I give so-and-so to this, then they need to give me this. It's not about power plays. It's about collaboration, which this card can be about too. It's renegotiating power and power exchanges. It's 
sitting with myself and discerning what feels heartfelt and in alignment for me. It's definitely about energy and time and money. So if I'm exhausted, I can't be giving, giving, giving. I have to be resting. I have to turn down offers, even if I do want to do them on some level. I think I've shared here before or shared somewhere, maybe with folks who sign up for my classes and my newsletter, 2021 was my year of burnout. I finally like experienced, experienced it. And I'm still negotiating that and healing from that. So I'm listening to my body and I'm turning down more offers than I want to. I'm doing less than I want to now. I'm not doing like normally I do fundraisers. I can't, I don't have the capacity to do that because I'm listening to my body. And that's part of reciprocity too. This card wants us to change our relationship to scarcity. In Embodying Abundance, which was a class I taught in 2021, we were trying to shift our relationship to abundance and scarcity. An abundance mindset is about being able to share resources It's about being able to let go of opportunities that aren't a good match, being able to let things go when it's time, being able to say no, giving credit and citations, it's boundaries, it's being able to share attention in the spotlight, it's also being able to be seen and be, you know, prized, it's being able to ask for help, it's generosity without strings attached, being grateful for everything you have, and so on and so, so much more. And scarcity, of course, isn't just money. It's time. It's love. It's satisfaction. It's fulfillment. Scarcity often comes from a lack of connection, a lack of quality of connection and intimacy. And that sometimes begins with our inner environment, with our outer environment, with our closest relationships, with a separation from the land, and even a separation from the season we're in literally or metaphorically. So one way to begin integrating the lessons of this card is to notice what the land is doing around you. Right now where I am in the Northern Hemisphere in almost wintertime, the trees and, and other plants have shed their leaves. They're pulling back their energy down into their root systems. So I ask, where can you rest? Where and how can you pull back your energy? And if you can't, because I can't right now, because I'm in my busy season, you might be too. How can I be reasonable with myself? How can I be gentle and easy with myself? How can I honor the needs of my body to the best of my ability with the limits and the capacity I have now? For me, that looks like a lot of deep breathing and gentleness and regrounding and regulation and practicing deeper forms of embodiment because embodiment leads to new nervous system patterns and more adaptability. And that leads us to the wider net, the larger ideals of this card, which we're all headed towards, which is sustainability and capacity. I need to have the capacity to receive. If that thing, let's say it's a gift or an opportunity, if that's going to make my nervous system freak out or my inner child panic, 
say every time I get more visibility, that's not going to feel good and it's not giving my nervous system and my subconscious appropriate information about feeling safe. And in order to feel safe, that requires me to be grounded in my body. And being in my body helps me receive. Sustainability is about receiving what I give and about consistent growth where I want to learn things and working on my skills. And it's about being in my zone of genius as much as I am in rest and integration. It's about being able to give not from a place of resentment or because I'm being extracted from, but from a space of radical generosity. You know, I don't want to go viral. I do not want growth that's going to fry my nervous system. I want slow, steady growth that sometimes looks like weeding and pruning. I want to be able to focus on what's most important to me and understanding that will change. I want to focus on things of long-term value, things that will teach me and will feel an integrity and be beautiful and have a purpose. I want what I do when I'm doing it to feel good in my body and resonant. And if I can't feel totally good because of pain or because it feels uncomfortable to grow or because my ADHD brain is telling me I'm a worst and I shouldn't even try and why did you even you know, try to do that thing, whatever else my brain tells me, I want to be able to stay with myself to tune into my wiser self, be loving to myself as I proceed. That's what sustainability looks like for me now, along with so many other things, including our relationship with the planet and the collective and everything else I can't get into here now. Save that for another day. If you do want to be visible, if you are feeling like this card is coming up and you want to grow, you want to widen, you want to expand, because of course, this is also what the Six of Pentacles is about, you have to prepare your nervous system for it. You have to open your containers wider or change your containers or create systems of support for yourself in that visibility. If you want more money, if you want more love, You've got to be able to hold it and to be able to use it and utilize it responsibly, which I also think this card is about. Are you being generous and not stingy with your gifts? What about your joy? Do you express joy when you're at the post office or driving to the store? Or is your joy only saved for after work, weekends, certain people, so on and so forth? Where are you denying your body the experience of safety, of pleasure, of joy, simply because it's a pattern or it's what someone else taught you or what other people are doing? In my protection magic class that just wrapped up, we spoke about trust and safety as being one of the foundations of protection magic, and that begins with ourselves. I do think that the Six of Pentacles has these undercurrents of themes of safety and trust, because as we trust ourselves more, 
we can be more vulnerable, baby step by baby step, we can have more capacity and more adeptness at strengthening our vagal nerve, finding out what nourishes us at the root and accepting that. I've been speaking a lot this year about, I really didn't know that what I was missing was intense physical experiences like boxing or shibori or deadlifting. I didn't know that. And it nourishes me at my root. And that's super different than what I was taught that might nourish me, that what I perhaps thought might nourish me. That's one of my lessons of this lover's year for me, which is activating my choice and figuring out what I love, which looks different than what someone else loves. And this love and this root nourishment brings us back into our bodies, back into the present moment. And it is that presence and that engagement with the present moment that over time rewires us, creates new patterns, new stories, can create more openings for our gifts to come out through and to shine through, which is what I was speaking about throughout this episode and at the top of this episode. What is it that we are great at, that we are excellent at? What is it that our spirit and inner child and the collective need for us to share and to share freely. And when we can tune into an experience, a resourced state, which begins in our bodies with our nervous system, the decisions we make, what we move towards is more in integrity with who we are on this core deep level. They aren't a trauma response. They aren't created from scarcity or from fawning or from a pattern, an old pattern of hypervigilance or distraction. They are made from a wider, deeper space, one that is looking more at a longer term sense of alignment and fulfillment that only comes through awareness in these small moments. It happens when we say no thank you to the good enough opportunity or invitation or a particular habit that helped us as a coping mechanism, but it's maybe distracting us or a way of regarding ourselves that isn't necessarily accurate for us anymore. And we take a little shift, we take a pause from a more resourced state, and we hold space for that dream or that need that is going to satiate us and bring us contentment at this root level. And that might be really uncomfortable. It might mean 
breaking up with habits that offer short-term relief or dopamine to our brains that give us familiarity with our nervous systems. But when we are honest with ourselves, when we take accountability, we understand they're a coping mechanism and might not be the best thing for us to be doing. And it's not a good long-term strategy for getting us where we would like to go. There's a lot of uncomfortableness that has to take place or that we have to experience to move us into a place of growth. (laughs) For example, I use this example in a class. I don't like water, but I know I have to drink a lot of it. I don't love getting up early. I know for right now, it's what's best for my body. I have to do it. So that means I have to go to bed early, which again, don't love it, but I know I have to practice it. My ADHD brain has a lot of rejection sensitivity attached to it, but I know I've got to sit in that uncomfortableness and not be great at certain things, fumble certain things in order to be more in alignment with what I know I'm ready to explore and what I'm ready to experience now. And little by little, as we embody these new truths, new practices, new behaviors, another shape of our life begins to unravel. Maybe instead of letting some old lies some old patterns, some ancestral patterns that aren't helpful to you run the show, you open up to other gifts. You open up to other gifts of your ancestry. My ancestors, they had to survive. They survived by being creative, by being tenacious, by being hardworking. Those qualities are gifts I received. They're gifts I don't take for granted. And also, There are qualities and certain energies within the spectrum of those gifts that I don't need to take on quite in the same way. I'm grateful for my roots. I praise my roots. And also I can choose different fertilizers and pots and containers and nutrients for the soil. It doesn't make me ungrateful. I'm very grateful. Part of the gift that the Six of Pentacles asks us is to change the dynamics and relationships of our embodiment, our healing, to take back our energy and to focus on what we can control, what we would like to be more a part of and to move towards abundance. The ultimate reward of the Six of Pentacles is collaborating with other people, rewriting larger patterns and larger culture. It's opening to our magical gifts, understanding what they are, trying to express that, changing your relationship to your practice, maybe introducing new rituals, finding some ancestral threads or practices that feel supportive. They can be really simple, like growing certain herbs or lighting candles. There are so many ways that are very simple or not so simple that you can connect there. This is about reclaiming your value, 
investing in projects or practices that might not give you immediate gratification, but long-term will lead to different root systems, other ways of experiencing embodiment, different paths to explore in the all-over shape of your life. Understanding that we are connected, that what we do over and over accumulates and adds up. Understanding that we can redefine and change our relationship to abundance and that abundance requires accountability and presence is one of the messages of the Six of Pentacles. As you know, I could be here all day with the gifts and reminders and rememberings and reconnections that each card offers us. I'm going to close now because we are definitely at time. Hopefully some of what I shared has rung true for you, especially in this year, especially where you are now. I love this card. I love the reminders of this card. I love receiving the reminders of this card and putting this card into practice, into embodiment, and hopefully you can receive some of the messages that this card has to offer you and only you alone. Some questions you can ask yourself when you get the Six of Pentacles. What is my relationship to my body? What messages does my body have for me and how can I embrace those messages? What does abundance look like and feel like for me now? What relationships are not in reciprocity? Why? Why not? How can I change them? Where do I have to do less in order to gain more? What does true sustainability look like for me now? What can I do to widen or deepen or even change my containers or capacity? Where are my pathways, my timelines, the overall shape of my life? Where and how is it shifting? How can I honor those shifts? Until soon, sending you so much love. And take care of yourself and take care of one another. Bye for now. 